As we begin a brand new year, for some of us, there may be some big decisions on the horizon. Uh, No doubt there will be decisions for all of us at some point, some that we may be able to anticipate and some that we have no idea that we're going to be faced with. Now, thankfully, the Lord does, and He goes with us, and He guides us, and He has even uh, equipped us in order to make decisions every day. As we think about it, we do have uh, choices to make. Uh, Life itself is a series of choices, and some are are very minor or less important, and some are are major. In fact, I I read from a, a Uh, an author named Barry Schwartz, he wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice, that even when we go to the grocery store, we have so many choices to make. And if you've ever been overseas or lived overseas for a time and then come back to the grocery store in America, you will will very quickly see, yes, we have lots of choices in our grocery stores. In fact, he said he went to the aisle to look for cookies, and uh, there were 285 varieties of cookies. Uh, he went over to, to see, what about toothpaste? 40 options for toothpaste. Um, cereal, 275 varieties. So if you go in looking for cereal and you don't really know what you want, you might be there a while, right? He went on to write that uh, if you want barbecue sauce, uh, you, can, you can sit and, uh, and watch the 64 different varieties that, uh, that the store offers. And I'm thinking, he must not be in the Midwest, because surely we have more than 64 options, right? I just, I just have a feeling that we do. But anyway, the point is, we have decisions. We have a lot that we, that we consider each and every day. And some, some may not uh, seem to be important, but some, even the small decisions, can lead and guide to a trajectory in our life. In fact, C.S. Lewis said it this way, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. You see, decisions affect our character. They affect our testimony. And at times we stop and think, really, they affect one's eternity. So we do look at an important topic today, and I know that we have, again, some who are here that may, may, may be considering some, some decisions right here, right now, and this may be a message that is, that is applicable for today. Uh, for some of us, maybe it's something to hang on to. I would especially encourage our young people that are with us today to really lean in on this message. We're going to be looking at a model uh, based on Scripture that you could, you could go back to and reflect on. Um, over and over and over again through the years. And so I offer it to you as something that, that maybe uh, you may want to jot some things down. You may want to uh, write down some of the Scripture references, and it could be, uh, could be helpful. I know that we, we have all kinds of decisions that we make. Maybe you look back and you think of, about a, a major decision like picking a college to attend or a major that you want to, uh, to emphasize you think about job and vocation. You think about, about marriage, and uh, ultimately, you think about, if you're married, you think about, uh, about children, and you think about, about uh, finances and investments. You think about, about house purchases and, and mortgages. You think about, uh, about opportunities on the job, handling decisions in the workplace and working with coworkers. You may think about finances and... Uh, and uh, decisions that are, that are related to investments, all these kinds of things, week after week, day after day, are really a series of 
decisions and choices that we must make. And so we're going to be looking, again, at several passages, and I want to begin in Proverbs chapter 3, a very familiar passage, because I think it helps lay the groundwork for us that when we think about decisions, we're not just looking inside ourselves. As followers of Jesus Christ, we look beyond ourselves, and we look to a God who indeed is sovereign, a God who, who is, is, is with his people, who is guiding his people. And so we, we, uh, we begin uh, with, with a passage such as Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Some versions say he will direct your path. And so we, we begin by seeing that, that, uh, that God is involved in our decisions. And we, we look at a, a passage like Proverbs 3, and we see that, that it's connected even in, in the way that we trust God, the way that we acknowledge Him, the way that we seek to follow Him as He guides us within these decisions. We are reminded that the Lord obviously has a plan. And I don't know about you, but it gives me great comfort to know that I'm not alone in the matter of decision-making, that we, those who are, are followers of Christ, we have, we have a God who is there with us. We have a Holy Spirit that is, that is there to guide. We have a, 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 a Bible that He's given to us, and so we'll think about these as factors and the role that they play as we seek to make decisions. In Proverbs chapter 14, it says in verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. And that's really the warning for us, that, that decision-making isn't just about us and about what we think or what we feel, because from the natural carnal mind, the decisions that we make can indeed take us directions that we need not go. And so that's where, as, as Christ followers, we try to look at this topic of decision-making with a biblical perspective so that we don't end up just following what seems right Several years ago, there was a survey done by those who attend church, and 5,000 people responded. They were asked the question, what is it that you'd like to hear in a sermon? And the second, most, uh, uh, the second highest response on the list that was given was, how can I find God's will? How can I make a decision? And so I, I think that, that there really is a, a, a practical uh, piece uh, to this message that, that I think will resonate with many of us. And so I, I want us to, to give it some consideration today and ask the Lord to help us as we make decisions in this upcoming year. Sometimes we use expressions. In fact, I, I, I catch myself making different uh, expressions and, and, and statements about making decisions that are sometimes not very helpful. But yet, we find ourselves within, within uh, the world of the church that these are sometimes common expressions. Things like, I feel led. I feel led to do such and such. And, and, and again, not that that's necessarily a bad thing to say or a wrong thing to say, but we realize that it can, it can be a statement that isn't complete, right? Because what happens if we just go on our feelings? You know, we can, we can go a lot of different directions that may or may not be uh, the right way. Feelings, in, in, in many ways, can be deceiving. In fact, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm thinking only about feelings related to a decision, I can, I can be very passionate about a particular decision and have very strong feelings about it, and then about 10 minutes later change my mind. 
and have very strong feelings the other way. Anybody else do that? So the idea that, that decisions are just based on feelings is one of the pitfalls that we need to be aware of. Another one is the statement, God told me. And again, maybe you've said that. Maybe, maybe uh, that's something that you've heard others say. Um, the challenge with a statement like that is, first of all, it really begs the question, how did God tell you, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking, did you hear an audible voice? What, what exactly was it that he used to speak to you? Uh, but the idea of God telling me. The other thing that is a challenge about that statement is, if someone comes to me and says, well, I'm doing such and such because God told me, well, Really, in many ways, that's kind of like end of discussion, right? Because who am I to come in and contribute anything else if God's told you what to do? And so, so maybe a better way to, to express a similar thought would be, I've been praying about something, and I believe God is leading me. And that, that leaves it open to, to still receive wisdom from others, to still have discussion, to not just say, hey, case, case closed, this is what God told me to do. So again, just, just a, a little thought there. And a, a final one that sometimes we hear is the statement, I have a peace about it. And kind of goes along with the first one that we looked at, that this idea of peace, that, that if I do have a peace, that, that's like a green light, right? Go forward. If I, if I don't have a peace, that, that that's like a red light. Uh, you know, don't, don't go forward. And, and so is that the right barometer? Is that what God has, has given us in order to determine if a decision is right? And, and I would just say, there are some decisions that are very hard, that are very difficult to, to continue uh, following. It could, it, it could be something that's exceptionally difficult, but you may, and you may never really feel at peace with it. And yet, you know that it's the right thing that you're supposed to do. So, so sometimes these statements can be kind of frustrating or even misleading as we, within a Christian community, talk about decisions that we're making. It's almost like we're trying to read hints or something that God has given. I think God is leading me, but then again, maybe it's my selfish desire. I'm, I'm struggling to know between the two. It seems like the door is closed, but, but is it really closed? Uh, is, 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 it, is, it, is it really God that's preventing me from something, or, or is it Satan that's trying to deceive me and keep me from what, what God intends? So these kinds of challenges, these kinds of questions can, can at times paralyze us, can't they? It reminds me of, of a little toy that I, that I used to, to really want when I was a kid called a magic eight ball. Anybody ever, ever see the magic eight ball? Um, you know, you've, you've got this little toy and, and you ask it a question, right? You shake it and you turn it over and all of a sudden, you know, it emerges an answer on what you're supposed to do. I, I remember as a kid, I really wanted one and I asked my mom about it one time and, and it was a hard no. It was like, Ryan... We don't ask toys, uh, you know, the, the, our deep questions and look for direction. Oh, we go to God for that. I mean, she equated these magic eight balls as like horoscopes and astrology, right? But you wouldn't believe what happened. When I was about nine or ten years old, we had a birthday party at my house. And I had a lot of little friends there, right? And I opened up gifts. And sure enough, somebody gave me a magic eight ball. I thought it was, it was I, I knew it was going to be short-lived, right? So I went ahead and opened it up, and, and we kind of passed it around. I asked questions about my brother or, you know, just different things just to kind of stoke the fire because I knew this was my only opportunity. And sure enough, as sure as the guy that gave it to me left and my friends were out the door, I never saw that thing again. I mean, you know, it just that was the end of the magic eight ball. Uh, she didn't want any of us uh, thinking anything along those lines. But... Um, 
Maybe at times we try to even take that magic eight ball approach and interweave it with our faith. I, I saw a guy here that must have really been desperate. He's kneeling at his bed and said, please, Lord, help my magic eight ball to be accurate. So uh, I guess if I'd hung on to that thing, that might have been me. I don't know. But what I, what, what I, what I want to point out to you is that it's important to us as Christians on how we think about the ways in which God guides us. In fact, J.I. Packer said it this way, wrong ideas about God's guidance lead to wrong conclusions about the right thing to do. And so that, that tells us we then need to, to consider how does God guide us? How does he lead us in making decisions? How do we determine with, with confidence that we are following his will? You see, these are, these are looming questions that really apply to each and every one of us. But thankfully, we've not been left alone. God indeed comes alongside and is prepared for us. A, a process, I believe, that we can employ as we, uh, as we think about the decision-making process. I want to point out to you a, a couple of names this morning for, for other, uh, uh, other resources. One of them is Greg Kokel. Uh, he's the president of Stand to Reason Ministry. It's an apologetics ministry, but he has written and taught quite a bit about decision-making. And I, I listened to him several years ago. It was recommended to me from, from a friend. And uh, this is one of the things that he says. He says, no issue is more important for practical, day-to-day -day Christian living than making decisions based on the will of God. No issue is filled with more confusion, misinformation, mistaken proof texting, and even downright superstition than knowing God's will. Few things are as misunderstood, I believe, as the role of the Holy Spirit in making decisions. And so if you want to go out to the Stand to Reason website, you'll see a number of articles that he's written. He even references a book that uh, was instrumental for him called Decision Making and the Will of God by Gary Friesen. And this book, I think it's been out for about 25 years. It's an excellent resource. And uh, 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 Greg Kokel uh, has worked with this book and this, this resource and developed what's called the Wisdom Model for making decisions. And that's really what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. I've re reworked some of it, but, but, uh, but, but ba in, in many ways, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling from, uh, from what, they have, what they have written. There's another book that I would recommend, and it's by Kevin DeYoung, and it was written just a few years ago, and it's called Just Do Something. And uh, it's got a great title. Let me read the, the subtitle to you. Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will. Or, how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. And so as you think about that subtitle, you think, yeah, sometimes we are drawn in to, uh, to some of those other ways. So I, I, I give those to you as resources that you could look up and benefit from. The title of the message today is A Model for Making Decisions, and uh, really just a couple of main points before we jump into it. The first one is this. God has given us the responsibility of making wise decisions, and as Christ followers, at times we, we, uh, we may not fully grasp that, yes, we, we believe in God. 
We believe that he's at work. We know that he does his sovereign will, but that in some way he has also given us personal responsibility and to employ the principles that he has given to us so that we can be equipped for making wise decisions. And that's the second point. God teaches his children. He's a, he is a, a good heavenly father. He is not one that, is, that has left us in a world with, with a whole bunch of doors with numbers on them and just play a guessing game. He has given us a process in order to make wise decisions. And so that's what I want us to think about today, offering to you this morning a model for making decisions. And I know oftentimes it's like we use like two or three points and, and such. Today it's going to be more like a Venn diagram. So if you want to jot out a few circles on a piece of paper, that'll kind of help you see the model that we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be looking at three different areas within the decision-making model. And the first one is we think about God's decree. What is it that God has said? If we're looking at a particular topic, if this decision leads us into a, to a, to a, to a subject that the Bible has spoken on, that's where we want to begin. We want to recognize that God has given instruction, and so we don't want to make decisions without first asking, what has God said? What does the Scriptures say? Do they directly speak to this issue? Have they given uh, commands or prohibitions related to a particular decision? We begin in Psalm 119, uh, longest chapter in the Bible. So these, these are just a few of the verses. Uh, Psalm 119, verses 137, 138, and 140. This is what they read. This is what they say. You are righteous, Lord, and your judgments are just. The decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy. Your rules are right. Now, let's just stop there for a second. And just think how much that might grate against the thinking of our day, right? This idea that there is a God who is in charge, right? And so for us as believers, this is something that, that, we, that we long for. We want, we want God to guide us. But, but even those four words, your rules are right. I mean, in a postmodern uh, era, you know, that, that's, that, that's something that, that many people are not looking for, right? They, they don't want someone else to define the rules. They want to write their own rules. And you can write your rules, and, and we'll all just do things the way we want to do it. And so, so from a Christian worldview perspective, we have a different starting point. We begin with God. We begin with His rules, which are, in fact, based on His character. Look at how that verse begins. You are righteous. So, so God's not just giving out arbitrary uh, uh, rules and prohibitions. This is, this is information. These are guidelines that are based upon, upon who he is, his character as a righteous Lord. He goes on in, in verse 140 to say, Your word is completely pure, and your servant loves it. And I just think what a, what a beautiful picture that the psalmist gives us of one who is hungry to know, God, what, what do you want? How are you guiding? Give me a teachable spirit. Give me that desire to, to hunger for, for what you want from me. So again, we see that God does indeed make judgments. He gives decrees. It's one of the words there in, uh, in this psalm. 
And again, they are all based on his righteousness. Let's keep reading and jump down to verse 142. It says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your instruction is true. Trouble and distress have overtaken me, but your commands are my delight. Again, strong words, right? We're talking about not just rules, but commands. Uh, And then he goes on to say, your decrees, they are righteous forever. Give me understanding and I will live. As we think about these verses, we see the eternal nature of God's commands. That this isn't something like what we see in a relativistic culture where truth changes on a dime. And from generation to generation, or actually even in a shorter time period than that, right? From year to year, you can see how how things have changed in terms of the world's definitions of what right and wrong really are. Well, not so with God. His truth is eternal, and His righteousness is is forever. And so so that gives us assurance when we say, that's what we want to live our lives by. Not something that's just changing and, 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 uh, and, and being uh, changed on a, on a constant basis. But no, we want to come under his eternal truth. The other thing is it tells us that, that as Christians, we're not to take God's word and try to accommodate it to the world around us. That can, that can be, at times, a temptation to try to, try, to, try to change it enough to make it more palatable to the age in which we live. Well, that's not what eternal truth is. Eternal truth is the standard, and when society or culture or my own heart is different from that, it's the standard. God is the Lord. He is the judge. He's the one that has established what is his law and his word and his rules, and so so it's important that we, as Christ followers, begin by, by starting with the word, recognizing it's timeless, it's authoritative, it's sufficient, and so that's, that's really that first area is that we want to begin by asking, has God already spoken? If so, what has he said? And we want to look at his decree. If God uh, has not given direct information on a particular matter, we can then move to the second area. And and we can ask if if there are any biblical principles that can be employed. Are there some uh, other areas of, of wisdom from God's word that we can pursue? Now, when we think about the word wisdom, wisdom defined is the skillful application of knowledge. And so it's not not just getting information, it's knowing what to do with the information. It's, 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 It's employing wisdom by taking information and then skillfully applying it in life. It's the ability to see alternative options, to see what the consequences for a decision might be. And, 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 and thinking about the topic of wisdom, we know that God himself is the author of wisdom. So we begin in this arena, in this sphere, by thinking about the call to pray for wisdom. And uh, as we think about James chapter 1, verse 5, it even says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. And so here's a word for us at the point of a decision before we rush headlong and jump into a, a particular decision is to stop and say, Lord, I belong to you, and you are the God of wisdom, and I'm going to do what James has written, and I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom. And in doing so, 
that will give us uh, God's, God's spirit at work within us, guiding and, and, and helping us as we, as we, as we, as we look at the, the situation around us and as we try to evaluate, we do it with his wisdom and not just our own thoughts. A second aspect of this biblical wisdom is to gather necessary information. And I know that that may seem like, like that's a kind of a no-brainer. Well, wouldn't you want to get all the necessary information? Well, sometimes uh, within the Christian faith, sometimes we can spiritualize a decision to the point where we kind of put blinders on our eyes, and we, and we really don't look at the data. We don't look at the information, and, and I don't think that God's Word tells us to be ignorant about information. I think we are to, to pursue and, and, and gain insight. In fact, Proverbs 13, 16 says, every sensible person acts knowledgeably, meaning that, that they're, they're, they're looking for the knowledge. They have a, a hunger to know what is true here, what is right. It goes on to say, a fool displays his stupidity. And so we, we, we kind of put that together by saying, well, they must not be pursuing the knowledge. In other words, we're not to make decisions out of ignorance. We need to do our homework. Again, if the, if the consequences to the decision are important, we don't do ourselves any favors if we ignore the cold, hard facts. This information is vital. In fact, Proverbs 23 says it this way, buy and do not sell truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And so this is not something that we should be dispensing of, but we should be pursuing it. We should be looking for it and holding on to it, holding on to, it to allow uh, that information and that truth to help us see the many facets of a decision. That would include even the cost of the decision, um, the, the consequences of a decision, thinking about it in terms of resources. What will it take in terms of time or commitment or even financial uh, uh, responsibility? Uh, thinking through the obstacles Will there be potential harm in this decision? Is there a challenge that might need to be overcome? All of these things are part of gaining the information about a decision. Proverbs 22 says in verse 3, A sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keep going and are punished. Just see this idea that they're moving forward uh, without knowledge, in folly, and that there are indeed... Um, consequences for that. So we want to, to pray for wisdom. We want to gather necessary information, but also within this sphere of biblical wisdom, we want to seek godly counsel. And that's, that's another principle that is taught in God's Word, that, that we are to, to, to speak to others, that we are to listen to others when we are making decisions. God at times will put someone in our, in our lives that has been in a similar situation, They've been down a similar path, or they, they're able to, to give insight from, from a fellow Christian's perspective that's not tied up with all of the emotions of the decision. There's lots of value in, in taking time to discuss things with others. In fact, Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without guidance, a people will fall, but with many counselors, there is deliverance. And so there's this idea that there's safety when there are many counselors. And so uh, what, this, what this does is it, it tells us that we, we can go to others, but, but there's also the, the call to listen, right? Because it's, it's one thing just to talk about it. It's another thing to, to approach someone with a teachable spirit where you're ready to listen 
to the insight that they have. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God has given children parents. And I know the parents are in the inside saying, yes, that's right. Uh, But I want young people to think about that. You have parents and grandparents that have that have gone down paths that you have that you are either at the beginning of or, or maybe you're in the process of, of going down yourself. And so to be able to have a mom or a dad or, or, or maybe a, a leader in the student ministry that's able to walk alongside with you uh, is so valuable to, to not view those, those positions as something that is, that is, uh, is meant to, to, to hold you back, but instead view those as individuals that are resources given to you by God to help you navigate the tricky and tough decisions that every single one of us will face. And so some of that depends on the heart that we have. Are we going to have a heart that's teachable and ready to listen and, 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 and ask questions and, and, and learn from others? Or is it something where we just want to sit up, get it all figured out, I don't need any help, don't need any, anybody's insight, because, because that can be a danger. And, and that's not just a danger for young people. I think at every stage of life, we can, we can fall into that trap where we think we've got it all figured out. We don't need the assistance from those around us. So as you think about that sphere of biblical wisdom, think also about counselors. In fact, Proverbs 12, 15 says, A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. So there's definitely wisdom, God-given wisdom in this. And... Uh, uh, some even can, 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 can take a principle like this and they can apply it at the workplace. They want to, 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 to do well with their, with their job and with the responsibilities that they've been given and they're able to talk to others. They're able to, to learn and, and find insight from those who have had similar roles. And so, so again, I, I, th- I think that we need to, uh, uh, to really give this particular point some thought. But there's also a warning that the best counsel comes from those who walk with the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 12 has a warning. It says, A righteous person is careful in dealing with his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked lead them astray. And so we, we need to be cautious on who it is that we're listening to. And, uh, and I've seen situations before, even when, when I've been involved with couples with marriage counseling, where, where they're getting bad, bad counsel from, from other people, and it, and it begins to be thoughts and plant seeds and ideas within them that, 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 that are not always uh, reflective of, what, of where, where the Lord is leading. And so, again, there's a caution there, but the point is, seek godly counsel. Again, all of this in the realm of biblical wisdom, pray for wisdom, gather the necessary information and seek godly counsel. But there's a third area to consider as we continue building out our Venn diagram here, and that is the area of personal desire. And the scriptures speak to this. And uh, there's, there's both instruction that this is something that, that we need to pay attention to, but, but there's also lots and lots of warnings about this, uh, this area as well on personal desire. And it asks the question, what is it that you want to do? And personal desires are valid. That is in, indeed a, a way in which, which God can lead us, and, uh, but yet they must be measured alongside the Word of God and His wisdom. Here's what it says in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, I think Psalm 37 is appropriate and, and if we just pull out 
a phrase of it, we could get ourselves into trouble because we want to look at the context. And it says that it begins by trusting in the Lord and doing what is good. And who has defined what is good? God's defined it. He's given us the insight on it. So it's not just a matter of of jumping out and doing what is the desire of one's heart. It's looking at that in its entirety. And we need to consider that, yes, God may use these desires, and they are appropriate to consider, but they're not the only thing. Uh, We want to look at it in in light of of these these other uh, aspects. We might also want to think about our motives, think about our emotional state, uh, as we're making a decision, because if one's emotional state isn't healthy and they're, they're moving in uh, only with a, with a, a desire, they, they, may, they may be going in a direction that's not, that's not wise. So again, the whole process needs to be considered. And what happens if it's the only area being considered? If you think about, about life in the days of the judges, Judges 17 verse 6, uh, describe that period of time as everyone did whatever seemed right to him. And uh, in many ways, those are, are words that describe the, the world around us, right? When, when someone is not following Christ, it's, it's only a matter of what I want to do. They only have, if we go back to the diagram, only that, that top circle. That's, that's, that's the sphere in which they are living and operating. No thought about what God's word would say. No thought about the precepts and principles of God's wisdom. It's only what I want to do. And so even though this is mentioned in the scriptures, if it's separated from the other, it can be very, very misleading. And I think, I think uh, as I look back in my own life at times where I've made poor decisions, I, I, I could honestly look and say, yeah, I was probably just pressing forward with what I wanted to do and, uh, and not really taking the time to consider those other aspects of the decision. And in fact, if you look at this model, again, and, you, and you, can, you compare it to the wisdom of the world, it, the wisdom of the world is only in that top circle, right? There's not any consideration all, at all to uh, what biblical wisdom is or what God's word has decreed. So again, looking at all of that, we still want to say that the personal desire may be an impact. Once we've looked to see, has God's word spoken on this? Have we gone through a process of biblical wisdom? We get to that point where it's time to make a decision. I think it's, I think it's completely fine to say, well, then what is it that I want to do? It comes to the point where I have to make a decision. And so we want to be able to make that. But I want to close by, by going back to where we began. We began by saying it's not just a matter of making decisions by looking inside ourselves. It's looking unto the Lord and being reminded that he is a sovereign God and that even within the the sphere and the realm in which we are operating uh, life, we know that we do it under his his watch, under his his sovereign care. And so I I think that's important for us to remember because decision-making can really bring about a lot of stress. It can bring about a lot of anxiety. In fact, there could be some here today, just by thinking about this topic, you may have just felt your blood pressure rise just a little bit because you're thinking about a decision that is on the horizon. But I want you to know that as part of the, the, uh, uh, the perspective from God's Word, we don't have to add anxiety and stress to that. In fact, by thinking about God's activity, and his sovereign hand among us, it instead gives us, it gives us assurance. Jesus would speak to, uh, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount to this very point in Matthew chapter 6. Let me just read these words. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious 
about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Think about that. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. He's speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, look, I know that the, that the thoughts and the worries of this world can be all-consuming, but think about who you are, who you are under, under the Lord, who you are in Christ. He goes on in verse 27 and says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And then down in verse 33, it sounds very similar to where we began in Proverbs 3. But he says it this way. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so we see that there is this this great connection between pursuing Christ, pursuing his kingdom, and knowing that, that God will supply for us as we work through the process to make a wise decision. So as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, for for some of us, there may be something very specific that you may be thinking about today. And this may be an opportunity here in the the quietness of of, of a time of worship just to, to bow before the Lord and bring that matter before him. Maybe follow the example of James and ask specifically for wisdom in this particular matter. Maybe for some of us, it's a, it's a recognition that, that we need a course correction. Maybe we've been pursuing decisions simply out of what we want to do, and, and, and we see that, that there's a better way. Maybe for some, it's an invitation for Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be the one guiding and directing you as one of His own. Whatever that decision might be for you today, take comfort in knowing that this Lord of the Sermon on the Mount is is still the Lord today. And He wants to come alongside. He wants to guide us. He wants to give us reassurance. He wants to give provision that we may know that we belong to Him. So would you bow with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank You that Your Word is true, that it is timeless, that it is authoritative. And God, we pray now that you would give us hearts, that you would give us desires to to follow you, to put ourselves underneath the, the authority of your word, to look earnestly for the wisdom that you have provided so that we can navigate the decisions of this life. And God, we thank you that you do care for us. Even more than you care for the birds of the air, you care for your own. So God, I pray that you will give comfort and assurance today for where that is needed. I pray that you will give wisdom today for where that is needed. And Lord, if there are any among us today that have not yet made that ultimate decision to follow you, to be one of yours, may may this be a day of salvation. So Lord, we, we humbly ask for you to take your word today and apply it to us and help us each with a humble and teachable heart, pursue you and live lives that bring glory and honor to our Savior, 
in 2022, may he be glorified in our personal lives, in our homes, and in this church. For we pray this now in his name and all of God's people said, amen.